Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. And after two plus months of talking about it, we finally have a decision. Tyus Battle returning to Syracuse for his junior campaign. Made everybody sweat it out. He said afterwards it was an easy decision on a lot of levels for him to come back to Syracuse. Certainly didn't make it easy on the fan base here in town. There were the reports at about 5.30 last night from Jeff Goodman at ESPN, John Rothstein from CBS Sports, both saying that Tyus was coming back to school according to their sources. Tyus posted something on Instagram about 6 o'clock that he was coming back, took it down five minutes later, and then for the next, what, four, four and a half hours, Orange Nation was freaking out that something had changed. Gary Battle told Adam Zagoria nothing had been finalized. And then right around 11 o'clock, about 10.45 last night, came the release from Syracuse University with quotes from Tyus Battle that he is coming back. Uh, My guess, Seth, what happened last night is you kind of put all the pieces together. He had committed to taking part in a pro day out in L.A. And my guess is if he had said that he was coming back and if he had filed the paperwork officially, he would have had to pull out from that pro day, I I would believe. So he wanted to take part of it, didn't want to back out of his commitment, did one more workout, and then after the workout said, I'm all in, I'm coming back to Syracuse, and there you go. A big, big sigh of relief for SU fans who were on pins and needles for, for five hours yesterday and the better part of two and a half months. Yeah, Steve, you hit it on the, na- you hit it on the head. I, I think that is exactly what happened. I, I think that, you know, Tyus had committed to that workout, wanted to participate in the workout. The, the other names in that workout were, were pretty interesting, so I'm, I'm sure it was you know part, part of a curiosity, like, hey, I want to play with these guys. Like, that could be fun. Uh, so I, I would think that you know if he had announced he was coming back before that, he wouldn't have been able to do that, right? And, and, and there would have just been too many questions about, well, why are you playing in that if you're coming back? So I, I think that he had to wait to officially say anything until after that. That's what happened. He got off the court. He talked to Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN and... and uh, said I'm coming back and and you know what for Syracuse this is awesome right for the for this team for this program for this fan base this is fantastic and you can be happy and you can be excited about it it is a great thing for this program you're bringing back five starters off of a team last year that what was the the thing that we talked about so much last year they're inexperienced and they're young and now you're bringing back all five starters and and you know, yeah, sure. They they had questions about their offense last year, and yeah, sure they they were you know a mediocre team throughout the year. But at the same time, they finished strong. They went to the uh, the Sweet Sixteen. They had a fantastic defensive team. They had a fantastic defensive team. So if they can improve offensively, this team could be very good. This team's going to be very good, and. They got everybody back. You're right. The inexperience has been solved. They're going to be very experienced next year. The lack of depth has been solved. They go from essentially having five and a half to six and a half guys available per game, depending on the various injuries to Matthew Moyer and Barama Sidibe and Pascal Chuku. They're going to go from having like six guys that they could play to literally 10 guys if they wanted to. Now, Jim Beham doesn't right. normally do that, but they're going to have they're going to have depth. Depth won't be a problem. Experience won't be a problem. I don't think scoring is going to be a problem. 
Uh, defense is not going to be a problem. This team, Seth, is going to be very, very good with Tyus Battle back. Yeah, I think that's the expectation. You know, I was joking around earlier in the office, and, and I'm curious what you think. It's funny. They've got all this depth, and they've got all these players. It feels like they've got all the depth at, like, one position. <laughs> you know, and, and and specifically even narrowed down from just saying all of them are guards. feels like they've got a lot of two guards. It feels like of the ten players, they've got, like, four two guards on this team. Uh, but with that being said, you you figure out a way to get your best players on the court. And, and if we've seen anything in basketball, college, and pro, you find a way to get your best players on the court right now, right? So if that means Pascal Chukwu needs to be playing more, if that means Barama Sadiba needs to be playing more, okay, so be it. If they're not doing the job, if they're getting hurt, you go small, you play more of your guards that that you've got a wealth of depth at. So, yeah, I think this team is going to be good. To, to your point, you know, we've heard Elijah Hughes has improved. We've heard he's better than what he was at East Carolina, you know, and, and we'll have to wait and see on that. We we do. Like, I'm, I'm going to wait and see how he does playing on the Carrier Dome floor and, and in a Syracuse uniform. But, you know, we've heard a lot about him. We've heard a lot about Jalen Carey. That alone could fix some of the the offensive issues that, that Syracuse had last year. And then just assume, right, just 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 make the, the guess here that Marek Dolzhai is going to be better offensively than he was last year. You know, I, I think O'Shea Brissett is going to be even better offensively than he was last year. And, you know, Mike Waters pointing out yesterday, which I, I hadn't noticed, Frank Howard, the best spot-up three-point shooter this team has, Maybe getting the ball out of his hands a little bit more will help out with that and, and make that even more of a weapon. There are so many options and so many variations of this lineup that we can see moving forward. You bring up Merrick and you know Pascal Chuku is not the best offensive player in the world. We know that. He's a very good defensive player. But if you need offense in a given game or if your offense is struggling, you could move Dolajai to the center, Elijah Hughes at one of the forwards, Brissett at the other forward, and then have Absolutely. two guards on the, you know, Howard and Battle or whoever it may be. And, and you could have five scoring options small. on the floor. Yeah. You did not have that. No matter what combination you put on the floor last year, Syracuse had three guys who could score. Let's face it. It was yep. three on five. And I know some of our listeners took exception to us saying that, but it was. It was three on five. Now, Dolajai came on at times, especially late in the year, and and became a threat. But you didn't have three legit, or you didn't have any more than three legitimate scoring options at the floor on the floor at any time. And and next year you can have five on the floor at any given time. This team is going to be very good for a lot of reasons. We can talk about the different combinations. That's it's going to be fun leading up to the season because there there are so many storylines uh, with this team. For today, though, or at least right now, I think we got to keep it about battle. Right. And th- there was a discussion going on in here between you and Paulie and some other people when I walked in about you know, whether or not this was a, a successful last month, month and a half for Tyus Battle. I think it was. And, and the reason I say that, and I realize... He he's not in the draft, and and I you know you and Polly were talking about the point was his his goal was to to make it to the NBA, and I get that, but really his goal when he declared was to get feedback and to figure out what his his best option was, and after getting feedback, it sounds like he was destined to land in the second round, and so he had a decision to make: do I do what Jeremy Grant did? Do I go in the second round and then start making money and you know get to my second contract quicker? Or do I come back to school, work on the things the scouts are telling me to work on, try to improve my stock, try to get in the first round for next year? So from that standpoint, it was a success. He did exactly what the rule is designed to do. Don't hire an agent, get the feedback, and then you have all the information at your disposal to make the best decision for you. Now, his decision was not the same as Jeremy Grant's, was not the same as Chris McCullough. 
on down the list. They had different circumstances. Don't forget, Tyus Battle has the opportunity to graduate in three years. He has the opportunity to play on a very good team and perhaps do something special next year. And he has the opportunity, again, in my opinion, I know we disagree on this, he has the opportunity to come back and improve his draft stock to the point where he goes maybe 20th overall next year instead of 47th. And that is a big deal in terms of money. So I hear the side that says, well, you know, it wasn't ultimately a success for Battle because he's coming back. I personally disagree with that. I think it was a success in that he used the process for what it is to make the best decision for him. And when I look at all the, the facts and everything that we know, to me, this seems like the best decision for him. To come back, try and improve, and try to be a first-round pick next year. Yeah, I, I get all that. And, and I think it's somewhere... You know, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I, I do think it's somewhere in between a success and a disappointment because we don't know what the, the intentions were, right? Like, I, I can't sit here and know for sure. I can't sit here and read Tyus Battle's mind and say he went into this draft process looking for uh, on, on a fact-finding mission, right? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I also can't sit here and say his goal absolutely was go to the NBA. I, I mean, I, I could say I think that was his goal, right? I could say that I think... That if he wanted to go to the NBA and, and if he entered his name in the draft, that is obviously what his goal was. And I could say that I think over the course of this season, everybody looked at him as an NBA player, but you just don't know. And and when you factor in both of those things and, and when you factor in that, I would imagine anybody who plays at a high enough level and anybody who plays at an all-ACC type level, their goal is to get to the NBA. And ultimately, he's not doing that. Now, whether he considers it a success or a failure, that's up to him to decide. And obviously, he thinks it was the right decision because he made the decision. Uh, with that being said, uh, you said, you know, I don't ne- maybe I don't necessarily agree with you on, on how much he can raise his stock. I don't know how much he can raise his stock. I think he can. But I think that we could also be sitting here next year and we're in the same position of, hey, Tyus Battles testing the waters again, and you know maybe maybe he's gonna you know may, maybe he's gonna be a first round pick, maybe he's not. Like I, I think that there's a very real possibility that you, that a year from now we're sitting in the very same spot that we are now. And I understand your point of you come back because at least a first round pick next year is still on the table, whereas it doesn't seem like it is now. I totally get that, but I just I, I don't know, and I, and I think that. Him coming back, we could end up in the same position next year, right? I mean, he's still, as we talked about yesterday, he's a six foot six guard. He's got a good, not great shot. He's got a good, not great handle. Okay, there are other guys who do that, right? And and so, how much does he improve this year? How much better is the jump shot? How much better is the playmaking ability? And ultimately, that'll decide how high he jumps. I do not think we will be in the same position next year. And he referred to it last night uh, in his his release, his statements uh, through the school, saying that he plans to re-enter the draft next year. I realize that you know he still would have the opportunity to come back if he doesn't hire an agent, but I, I do not think we'll be in the same position. I think he's coming back for one no, more go round. But there's a chance. I, yeah, I suppose there's a chance. I, I I don't think that's the case though. I think he's coming back. I think he's going to have a great year. You know how I feel about his field goal percentage. He shot 32 percent from three. Let's give the kid a break. A lot of times, you know, got the ball with five seconds on the I shot clock. Here, yes. Tyus, go do something because we have no other option. He's forced to put up tough shots. He carried that team in so many games. It was him and him alone. And, you know, yes, O'Shea Brissett had a fantastic year, and Frank did some great things, but that was Tyus Battles' team. He put that team on his back night in and night out and had to do it all himself. He is not going to have to do it all himself. He is going to come back. He is going to look better and be more efficient because he is on a better team. They are going to win a lot of games. 
you know, are they going to go deep in the NCAA tournament? I, you know, I, I can sit here and say I think they will, but again, it all comes down to matchups. Th- that's beside the point. He's going to come back. He's going to have a great year. He's going to improve. Scouts are going to get to see him in, in big game situations. I think he's going in the first round next year, and and even regardless, even if he's borderline next year, I think he's coming out. I think he's made, again, I'm not going to speak for him, but my guess is he's, he's made up in his mind. He's coming back for one more year, and then next year he's off to the NBA. Look, I, I don't disagree with you. He was put in a, a near-impossible situation many times last year, and that's why his shooting percentage wasn't very good. That's why you know th- there were questions about his shot, and he, he shot too much to get the points that he got. I, I understand that. As I've said before, if if we know this, scouts know this. If we know this, the people who are interested in drafting him know that same thing. And they know what it might be like when the pressure is off and he's not the focal point of a team, which, let's be honest, he would not be the focal point of a team in the NBA, right? Like I think we could both agree on that. He's not going to be your, your, your alpha dog A1 option on an NBA team, especially not right away. So I think, I think that scouts would understand that, hey, there, there's a lot more pressure on him than you know, that, than the numbers may look. And, and he his season last year was better than the numbers look. You know, if he comes back and he improves, yes, he can jump. If he comes back, though, and, and you know, the, the shooting percentage goes up, I'm curious what scouts look at and what NBA people look at and say, you know what, that's kind of what we thought he was. Right? Like, again, he can improve. Like, he can jump up in the draft stock, and I'm not denying that. And there's absolutely a chance that he comes back and he plays better or just as well as he did last year and he jumps for a number of reasons. Because his numbers look better, because that team goes farther, because he has a moment, quote-unquote, in the NCAA tournament. There are plenty of reasons his stock could could rise, right? But there's also that possibility that he comes back, his percentage rises, his shooting percentage rises 5, 7, 10%, and scouts go, you know what, that's the guy that we thought we were going to get. I suppose I look at these mock drafts. I see Dante Divincenzo projected as a late first round pick, and I say, who's better, Dante Divincenzo or Tyus? I understand, but that's my point. Is he's Tyus was playing on a team this year where he had to do it all himself. Dante Divincenzo had the opportunity to play on a Villanova team that you know obviously was was the best team in the country. So. If if Tyus comes back next year, I, my point it's is it's like how Kyle Guy was named to the yes, first team All ACC. Exactly, exactly. So if I said to you, you know, we're we're playing pickup outside right now, or the three on three, you know, Salvation Army. I'm taking Tyus coming. battle yes, over Dante Divincenzo, so yes. and that's my point. Is that Tyus? You're telling me Tyus was going to go 45th, but Divincenzo is going to go 25th. Well, there's a reason for that. They went deep in the turn. I'll go back to right. Johnny Flynn. He had his moment as yes. you talked about the six overtime game. He went sixth in the draft. Tyus is going to come back. I think he's got a very, very good chance. You're saying, I suppose he can move up in the first round. If I was a betting man right now, I would say there's a, I don't know, 80% yes, chance go- he goes in the first I round next year. I think he's going to move up. I do. I think he's going to move up. I think up. this is the right I just- decision. I, you know, And I'm never going to crush a kid who wants to go and make money and follow his dream. I think this is the right decision. I do. I think he's going to go in the first round next year. And I think he's going to come back and have a dynamite year because he's that kind of kid, that kind of player. See, that's why that's that's the thing, and, and you hit on it there. That, that's the thing that's going to make it hard for me to say anytime a kid makes the right or wrong decision. Because if he came out and was like, hey, I'm going to the NBA, and I don't care if I'm going to be a second-round pick because I think I'm good enough, I'm going to go, I'm going to get drafted. 90% of college kids who get picked in the top 50 are getting multiple years guaranteed or one year well over the minimum. Uh, over, over the minimum. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I would have been like, okay, I get it. That's smart. Go get your money. Go do what you want. And and if you're confident that you're going to be good enough, go do that, right? And and go chase that dream and, and go be an NBA player. 
so I'm I'm never gonna sit here and say, hey, that's the right or wrong decision because I can't fault a kid ever for for wanting to go and get that money and take advantage of his opportunity. You know, he wants to come back. That's awesome. You know, there there are risks to coming back. I, I don't think that it's as cut and dry uh, as he comes back, he automatically improves. Don't rile me up today. It was 90 degrees yesterday. Somehow I have a cold. So I got to go easy on the voice. Don't rile me up today. We got to take our first time out. I've just been informed that we will have Jerry McNamara on the other side of the break. So Jerry will come on. He'll uh, give us his reaction to Tyus returning, what it means to this team moving forward. Keep it here. Orange Nation returns right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We had to shuffle some things around. Our, our thanks to Jerry McNair for coming on on such short notice. Uh, we now have Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com set to join us at 1.30. And Kevin Belby, former team manager at SU, and now the GM of Bayheim's Army. He's going to join us at the top of the hour, but phone lines open for the next 20 minutes, 315-437-7644. Um, you know, after talking to Jerry, it, it just kind of cements for me what, what would, we had been talking about, that, you know, Ty's battle used the process exactly the way it should be used. Didn't hire an agent. He went to the combine, got the feedback, did the workouts, did his homework, waited up until the deadline, and just made a well-informed decision. And this is kind of like, in my mind, the way I look at it, it's like being a finalist for your dream job, whatever the case may be, right? And you're one of three. And you go, you interview, you're close, and they tell you, you know what, we like you a lot, but it's not your time yet. You know, go back, you know, do another year at your job, need a little more training, work on this, this, and this, and then come and see us again next year, you know, when we have an opening. And we know, obviously, there will be openings next year uh, in right. the NBA. This is how right. it works. But to me, that's kind of what it is. He, he was up for his dream job. He's close, just not quite ready. And so go back for a year and, you know, work hard and your dreams will come true next year. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think that that's obviously what happened. And I, and I think that... Uh, I think that what what you said, where he used this process the right way, I mean, that, that much is obvious, right? Uh, that much is obvious, that he, he used this process the way that it was intended to be used. He decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to see what people say, and, and you know what, if things don't work out, I'll come back, I'll work with Jerry, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll get better, right? And, uh, you know, J- Jerry even pointing out, you know, there, there are a couple things, and, and we talked about it, a couple things that, that he's got to work on. The three-point shooting and the, and the playmaking ability. If you can work that out, you're going to have a spot in the NBA. If you're athletic, you're big, you're you're fast, and you can shoot the three and, and make plays for some other guys, you're, you're going to have a spot in the NBA. Right? I, I mean, I, I, I would imagine you do. Yes, he's going to have a spot in the NBA. He would have had a spot in the NBA this year. I mean, he would have he would have been picked. Now, I don't know if he would have made the roster necessarily right off the bat during his rookie season, but there was a, a spot for him. He was going to be drafted if he stayed in. He decided he wanted to come back and and you know work on his game, maybe do something special with Syracuse next year. And again, that's that's a whole other side of this discussion is that, man, Syracuse is going to be really, really good next year. But just from a Tyus Battle perspective, it feels like the right decision. At least it does to me. And again, I'm never going to crush a kid for, for pursuing his dream or trying to make money. You know, just like you can't crush Jeremy Grant. You could question the decision right. at the time saying, well, you know, he went in the second round. You know, if he had come back, maybe he goes in the first round. You could question it, but I don't think you can crush the kid for doing what he wants to do. No. So I, I wouldn't have blamed Tyus if he decided to stay in the draft. Obviously, it's his life, his decision. But given everything we know, I, I do think this is the right decision at the end of the day. Because, you know, as we pointed out, 
He could have gone this year and gone 45th. If he comes back next year, at least there is a chance that he ends up in the first round. There's no guarantee, as Jerry pointed out. There's no guarantee, obviously. But there's a better chance next year than there is this year, because this year he was not going to go in the first round. No, he he wasn't. And, uh, you know... I, I like you know Jared pointing out kind of kind of what I said like hey there's no guarantee that you get better there, there's obviously the the opportunity that your stock rises and I, I, the opportunity is very clearly still there and if Tyus Battle does the things that uh, we've been saying and and we've heard you know from now Jerry and and from reports and yeah I, I mean I would imagine that his stock rises ten spots whatever it may be to, to get him into a better position and and maybe even and probably into the first round uh, you know that being said there, there's no promises. I, one other thing that I liked about Jerry, and, and I know that you said it's a conversation for another day, the excitement about next year's team. It's it's impossible not it's impossible to ignore. Like it really is because we watched this team all year, right? We watched that team all year. They were great defensively all season long. Like from the start of the year, they were a great offensive team, uh, defensive team, but they were lacking offensively the entire way, e- even until the end of the year, even until the Duke game at the very end of the season, they lacked offensively. And you get the feeling that coming back, they'll still play really good defense because why would that change? And that, you know what? Tyus Battle's coming back and you can count on him and O'Shea Brissett. You hope he, you know, maybe shoots the three a little bit better. And, you know, hey, Merrick Dolshine, maybe he's maybe he's a, a little bit more aggressive and, and he's, you know, playing the way he did in March in the ACC tournament, in the NCAA tournament. And maybe that carries over next year and he's a little bit more confident. And all of a sudden, the offense looks totally different. Oh, by the way, you have Elijah Hughes and Jalen Carey and, and all these other new pieces and new toys, so to speak, and Buddy Bayheim to to plug in and, and find the right spot for all these people. Like Next year could be a lot of fun. You look at what the, let's say, weaknesses were of the team last year. Experience? Yes. Not a problem next year. Depth? Right. Not a problem next year. Nope. Offensive options? Not a problem next year. Nope. And that's why you look at it, and you—I mean—you can't help but be excited about what this team could achieve because those were the three biggest issues, right? Yeah, they lacked experience, they lacked depth, and they lacked scoring. And all three of those weaknesses are wiped off the table. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the national title, but you know, you asking me if they're in the mix as a, you know, as a, a contender, are they a top twenty team? I mean, anytime the preseason top twenty comes out. You could point to any one of those teams and say you could make a case for that team sure. to win the national title. This team is going to be ranked to start the to start the season. I don't think I there's totally any doubt agree. about that. I think you and I slightly disagree. I think when when voters look at Sweet Sixteen, returning all five starters, you know, plays in the ACC, it's got the you know the the name brand Syracuse. Yep. I think they're starting the year in the top fifteen. That's just my opinion. I know I think you're saying be at least top to twenty. Right. Yeah. Fine. There's they're going to be ranked. There's a fine line. They like the the margin between twelve right. and seventeen Splitting is not hairs. that much. Right. Splitting hairs, but they are going to be very very good. I agree. And again, I'm not wishing away the summer, but I'll uh, I'll be happy when October rolls around, November rolls around. Yeah, not wishing away football season either. By the way, I like football season. I do too. I'm just saying that there is a lot to look forward there really, to. No, Whereas, there, there really, no, you know, is. going into last season, it felt like. And how many times did we say this early on last year? We said it felt like a two year process, right? It felt like last year was building towards this year, and you didn't know if Tyus Battle was coming back or not. But either way, it felt like, all right, well, they're going to be better going into next season. Now they're going to be a lot better going into next season. The fact that that they've got Tyus Battle coming out, coming back, and all of a sudden the the Darius Baisley decision. 
Doesn't seem to matter all that much. No Darius Baisley. They've still got the depth. Yeah, obviously you would prefer he's on your roster than not on your roster. But but Battle coming back. If you could if you could pick one of the two, you're obviously picking Tyus Battle. So. Yeah, I mean, didn't didn't we have this conversation when that happened? Yeah, would you rather we did. take would you take Battle or Baisley? And and I think both of us said not even you close. Take Battle. It's not because, even close because he's a known commodity and you, you know what he's going to do. Exactly. Not even close. Exactly. So you know what? It, it's a trade off, and and if it means that you get him. You get them. 315-437-7644. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you by Skinny Atlas Small Engine, now under new ownership, your premier LS tractor and steel dealer for sales, service, and repair. As we welcome in our producer, Max Brigandi. What's up, Max? Producer and sandwich runner. Yeah, thanks for grabbing that sandwich for me. It's pretty good. I had one. I had the same one actually. I don't normally do that, but I was on the air and you folks do were leaving. You gotta so do what you gotta do. Yeah. No, I appreciate uh, you grabbing a sandwich for me. What do you got for us today? Uh, so Tyus Battle is back. Obviously, we've been talking about it now for about an hour and fifteen minutes. But upstate New Yorker Kevin Herter says he will stay in the NFL or NFL NBA draft. A native of Shenandoah High School in Clifton Park, uh, spent two seasons. At Maryland, where this past season averaged just about 15 points per game, shooting 50% for the Terrapins and 42% from three. Uh, He's expected to be a late first-round draft pick. And his life has been in a rapid ascent. Since 2015, he uh, went to the uh, state basketball championship with Shen. A year later, won the state title. Two years at Maryland. Now he's a first-round pick. Isn't this another guy who you know would fit the the category of the Dante DiVincenzo? If I had to pick a guy to be on my basketball team, or or if I'm playing them one on one, like I'd probably take Tyus Battle over him. But he he's got the more definable skill of he's just a he's knockdown lights out three point shooter. I I see why scouts are drooling over this kid because he's tall yeah. and he shoots. And so I he don't was, know he was good in the dome this year. Oh, he's very good. He was really good. Yeah, he, I think he had seven threes if I'm not yeah, mistaken yeah. in that he game. Was great um, in that game. So if I'm an NBA GM and we're playing pickup, I'm probably taking Herder over Battle because of his size and his ability to shoot. Two things on Herder. Number one. And, and I've I've seen some people talk about this, and and it's and it's accurate. You know, people say, well, the, how how much did the sanctions and the lo- lack of scholarships hurt Syracuse? This is a kid that if SU didn't have the scholarship reductions, could very well have ended up in an orange uniform. So that's number one. So yes, the sanctions and the scholarship reductions absolutely hurt Syracuse. Not saying he definitely would have come to SU, but there would have been a chance. There was a. And and probably a decent chance that Jay, he ended up here. If I remember correctly, that that was basically said after the game, right? Yeah, he he uh, liked SU I mean, that, a lot. It was, was a, it was a numbers that, game. That was admitted basically on both sides yeah. after that. I game. mean, they obviously liked him, but he liked Syracuse a lot. He ended up going to Maryland. It all worked out for for him. But you know, to say that well, the scholarship productions didn't hurt SU all that much. That's a perfect example. They could have had an N, you know a first round NBA pick, another one uh, in their program, uh, if not for the for the reductions. Yes, twenty three points on seven of nine from three. And so I was going to say, I thought he was seven of nine that night. I don't know why the, that number stuck out to me, but yeah, he yeah. was unbelievable in the dome. So that's number one. Number two on Kevin Herter is that you know we talk about, or at least I said at the top of the show, that the process worked for Ty's battle, and that. You know, he was a guy who was a borderline borderline first round pick. He went, he got the feedback, he made a well informed decision. The process worked for Kevin Herter as well. Put his name in, didn't hire an agent, went to the combine, crushed it, his stock rose, and now he's, you know, probably gonna be a top twenty pick in the first round. Certainly gonna go in the first round, at least it looks like it. The process worked for both guys. I love the rule. I, I can't say it enough. The NCAA changed the rule in twenty sixteen 
with guys like Ty's Battle and Kevin Herter in mind. They don't they don't know if they're going in the first round or the second round, and obviously you never know for sure, but you go to the combine, you get the feedback, and then, then you can make a well-informed decision, a much better decision than you could you know, on May 1st, you know, we're approaching, you know, June 1st, what, June 1st is tomorrow. That that one month makes such a big difference for these kids. And instead of making a bad decision, you can make a well-informed decision. And so the process worked for Tyus Battle and the process worked for Kevin Herter, even though they had two different decisions that they made. Right, and another guy to throw out there. It worked for UNC's Justin Jackson, right? Went to the Combine after his junior season. Uh, was told essentially like no you're not really draftable maybe a second round maybe a second round pick goes back gets picked fifteenth uh, wins ACC player of the year gets picked fifteenth he, he took that criticism and and the 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 advice to heart again and, and timing is everything too because you know Herder from his parents' house was saying this year's guaranteed and especially in his case you know next year might not be guaranteed right. just like Tyus this year's not guaranteed next year is pretty surefire guaranteed that. You know, you'll either be an early second round or probably a first round pick. So again, just got to take that time and come back and use the year, like Seth just said, to his advantage and just improve. And I don't think, I mean, ACC Player of the Year might be something that could be attained by Tyus Battle next year. I, I think it's on the table. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be the ACC Player of the Year. And Seth brought up a good point yesterday. He said, "Well, <laughs> look at who, look who votes on this." <laughs> right. I mean, there is a bias in in North Carolina and Virginia, and you know, there's the the Southern bias in the ACC. <laughs> People don't like the new guys, but <laughs> but if you're a Syracuse team that finishes in the top four of the ACC and Battle has another amazing year. Um, I could. I mean, he's going to be in the mix. Let's yes, put it that yes. way. He's He'll going to be in the mix. He'll be in the conversation. Uh, an incredible story out of Major League Baseball yesterday. Nathan Evaldi went six hitless innings in his return from his second career Tommy John surgery, becoming the 12th pitcher in Major League history to start in a game after having two Tommy John surgery and do seven ground outs. Retired the final 17 batters as he faced uh, his first walk of the game, essentially right before he made his exit. Uh, was in the high 90s with his fastball, looked totally normal. You're really not supposed to be able to do these types of things after one Tommy John surgery, let alone your second. Max, he hadn't pitched in the majors since August of 2016. Last time he pitched, Alex Rodriguez was in the lineup for the team he pitched for. Yeah. Like, that, that's that's unbelievable to think about. Like, and he was mad when it, he got pulled. He did not want to shake. Right. He didn't want to. He didn't want to shake his hand. No, he, he didn't want to come he out. He had to be prodded to shake I, his manager's I don't blame hand. him. And, and you know what? He's going to keep getting chances. And, and I'm not surprised that he got signed last year when, when he was hurt. I, I'm not surprised, you know, that he got picked up by somebody because even though he was hurt, he had such a great arm, and you could see that with the Yankees. There were problems. Like, don't get me wrong. He was not a great starting pitcher. He he was not a very good starting pitcher, you know, with the Yankees, you know, for, for his time there. But you could tell that there was arm talent, and, and I think that you kind of saw that last night. Like, he's still got a, a great fastball. He's got a really good breaking ball. Uh, when it's on, he could do some really cool stuff. And lastly, before we get out of here, unless, Steve, you wanted to chime in on that. You know, no, thinking too about Tommy John well, surgeries. The, the competitor in him didn't want to come out of that game last night, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, he later said today he understands yeah. why he did it, and you know, you obviously can't, you don't want to push the threshold with. And he had thrown what seventy, 70 pitches? Seventy pitches. Seventy pitches. He's not make. He's not going. He probably wasn't going to finish the game. And no. so, if you're not going the distance, then you know, if you're not going the distance anyway, then then do the right thing by the pitcher. The and, next and reliever who came in promptly allowed a hit. It was the only hit the Tampa Rays <laughs> allowed all game. Such a raised thing to yes. happen. 
before we get out of here, game one tonight, who do you guys got? Warriors. I've got the Warriors in in one and two. I, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I'll take five. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a sweep for two reasons. Number one, you could guess, LeBron. I don't think he's going to allow the Warriors to sweep. Number two, this Warriors team has, has shown that they are not the Warriors team from the last couple of years. Uh, they do seem to get disinterested. They they don't play defense the way that, that the past couple of years uh, teams have. They are going to miss Andre Iguodala. He's not playing tonight. Who knows when he's coming back. So I think the Cavs get at least one. Would not be shocked if this series went to six, but the Warriors are going to win the series. I'm going to I'm gonna say five. I'm going to say five. That's a safe I, bet. That, that I mean, sounds- that's... Re- that, that that sounds reasonable. The, the Cavs way- have been very good in Cleveland. The role players have been very good, and LeBron has been out of this Incredible. world. And the Warriors are not as good this year. I don't think the Warriors are as good this year as they've been the last three. I don't either. Certainly not last year when they got Durant, and then they, I mean, that team was... They don't have the step on your throat that they had last right, year. they don't. And, you know, maybe it's it's hard to stay motivated and, and hard I to have that killer instinct. Well, and they've just been playing a lot more games than everyone else right. in the league, other than the Cavs. Right. So... I mean, they've been playing 100 games a year now for four right. years in a row. And I know LeBron's been doing it for eight, but <laughs> they've been doing it for four years in a row together. So I, I get it. Can I can I throw one more thing out here? Uh, this this is today, and, and I know we had to have to take a break. Today in NCAA stupidity, media policy from the NCAA ba- uh, baseball tournament. I will read this to you and, and see if you are, are confused by this and if it might affect us uh, if this policy were to move forward in other uh, areas. Each credential holder has the privilege to blog during competition through the credential entity. However, the blog may not produce in any form a real-time description of the event. Real-time is defined by the NCAA as a continuous play-by-play account or live extended live real-time statistics or detailed description of the events. That's awful. Does this mean that like everything I do at games is not allowed anymore? Yeah, pretty much. And what's stopping somebody from doing it at know. home, right? I, I mean, don't like know. we can't watch it on TV and live. Blo- yeah. I mean, that's, Wait, that's so what, what's the media supposed to tweet from like a game? Just like, wow, he hit that ball hard. Well, somebody that somebody pointed cool. out that like maybe it's like maybe there's like a, a one tweet in inning limit, which I was like, yeah, good luck enforcing that. But especially I can in baseball, there's so many really stats in baseball and information that is just interesting. I can understand, like you know how you and I did the show. From the Barclays Center while a game was going on. I would on. understand if somebody came over understand. to us and was like, hey, don't right. do Because this. we were giving right. updates on the score and this just <laughs> right. happened. I can understand if they took that as, well, you can't do play-by-play. Like, right. you could give an update here and there, but you can't you talk can't about the game in real time. About the game. I right. get that. Okay? I don't get... I'm actually a little surprised nobody did. No tweeting. <laughs> I don't get doing something in the arena that you could do from your couch. You could do the same thing. Like, how are you going to... Right. It's still stupid. <sighs> That's why I said today in NCAA stupidity. I don't know how you would enforce that. Anyway, you're right. Segment. We do need to take a timeout. By the way, real quick before we get to this, NCAA stupidity, Brian Bowen forced to stay yes. in the draft yes. because the feedback he was getting wasn't even an official announcement, but the feedback apparently he was getting from the NCAA was, you're not going to be eligible, so you might want to go. And so Brian Bowen from Louisville, now at South Carolina, now no longer in college, is heading to the NBA. we got to take a timeout. Chris Carlson joins us next.